like a damn fool. Hello and welcome to Sons of the Dragon, the Immortal Iron Fist podcast. My name's Connor McKenna. And I'm Carl Stout. And we're here, we're back a week late, but you know, scheduling different time zones, blood moons, etc. It's difficult, uh, but we're always back. And uh, it's been a few days ago, was our four year anniversary, which uh, just took me by surprise because I hadn't really acknowledged any of the other yearly anniversaries. And then I saw it, I'm like, oh, it's been four years. So, yeah. Any regrets, Carl? Uh, sending you that first message. <laughs> yeah. Wow, thanks. Yeah. I, I regret uh, acknowledging it as well. Um, I, I remember Liz, you sent me that, uh, the horror podcast, you sent me that episode, American Werewolf in London. Mm-hmm. And I was, because I love American Werewolf in London. And I was, I was listening to it, and you're like, skip every part that doesn't have the werewolf in it, and I'm just like, this guy is skipping over half the movie there. I said that? You did, yeah. <laughs> you were young, Carl. It's okay, I forgive you. Um, now, I'm going to have to see if I can find it and re-listen to it, because I don't know why I would have said that. You because said it was boring. The, some of the best special effects were uh, the, his buddy showing up dead all the time, <laughs> getting oh, more and more rotted away. That was pretty good. That that whole movie was a very it was one of the blackest comedies, that's for sure. Uh, yeah. But um, you know what my regrets are, Carl? No. Okay, took a while to answer. Um, <laughs> Starting to watch Netflix season one. <laughs> no, I really enjoyed season one. I didn't enjoy the calamity surrounding it, but uh, you know, I still have my Iron for season one steel book, and I'm happy with it. I'll probably yeah, watch it again. We didn't even get that over here. Really? No, we got no steelbook. Huh. Well, that's like a very rare occurrence that we get something that you don't. I think you in the UK got a steelbook. We got a just plain old normal release, and it wasn't even out long, and people now already want like 60 bucks for it, and I didn't get one when it came out, so now I'm going to have to eat it. I think I think they still sell it here. I don't know. I've seen Daredevil uh, Blu-rays, but I'm not even sure if they're releasing the new ones. Uh, anyway, uh, my regret is we're coming up to episode 100 and we haven't covered the Immortal Iron Fist run or <laughs> Iron Fist Living Weapon. And wow. I, I don't know. I just feel like I feel like it's something we should have covered there, but we we're going chronologically, so. And 61 more episodes, you can start. Mm, man, <laughs> that many? <sighs> Actually, technically, it should be more. Because we should do the offshoots of, like, uh, two-in-ones and team-ups that appear in between these issues. Okay. And annuals. Well, we might we might have to start skipping issues and doing Iron Fist-centric ones, because I don't want to wait 60-plus episodes to do... The Immortal Iron Fist. Well, I want to. I want to. Yeah. Well, hopefully, I'm guessing most of our listeners have read The Immortal Iron Fist anyway. So, because I have tried to get something together, which you know is Immortal Iron Fist related. So, but uh, anyway, 
That being said, despite my complaining about Power Man and Iron Fists, we are covering a good issue today. So, a good issue, which I really enjoyed. So this is... Oh, and there's no Iron Fist news. I know. There's no hope, etc. So, Power Man and Iron Fist 66, guest starring Daughters of the Dragon. Death is the only escape from the Jade Tiger. Now, before we talk about this cover, we will just go through the credits for the writers and uh, writers and artists, in case I forget, because I forgot uh, on that other podcast I do, which was bad. Uh, let's see. Pam Man and Iron Fist 66. Mary Jo Duffy is still writing. Yes, she Mary... is. Terry Gamble is the penciler. Ricardo Villamonte is the inker. The colorist is Glennis Wayne. Literer, Jim Novak. Editor, Dennis O'Neill and Mark Grunwald. Uh, cover artists. Well... Uh, Frank Miller and Klaus Janssen. Uh, didn't expect that. Oh, that... that um, I'm not so sure about Iron Fist, but that Power Man on that cover, that's 100% Frank Miller. Yeah. Because uh, uh, Frank Miller and Klaus Janssen were uh, the dynamic duo of Frank Miller's Daredevil run, which had uh, fantastic artwork. Like, really, really great artwork. And uh, this cover's good. Oh, I like it, yeah. Um, like, Iron Fist's, Iron Fist's, like, little brand looks a bit wonky, but... Yeah, I can... So is his head. Yeah. Yeah, it does. <laughs> I, 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 honestly, Iron Fist and the tiger's eyes are the two weakest things on this entire cover. Mm. Everything else is good, though. And, I mean, I, I still think Iron Fist is good. It's just... Well, actually, no. He's not. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, now now that I see it, it, it is definitely Frank Miller. Um, but uh, either way, yeah, it's still a good cover. My opinion hasn't really changed a bit. It's just more interesting now that they did a cover for this. I wonder, was there any Daredevil coming out the same month? And also, in, inside the book, it lists Jim Shooter as the big mucky muck, literally. Wow. Poor Jim. What did he ever do to deserve that? Comics published December 1980. Okay, no Daredevil that month. Surely November. Uh, yep. Yeah. Oh, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, there, um... Anyway. Uh, yeah, interesting. Nice little tidbit. Uh, Frank Miller's just popping up in weird places doing covers sometimes. But, uh, yeah, so the title of the story... Actually, no, the title of the story doesn't change. It's just called The Jade Tiger. Uh Uh, So we get to the first page, and we have... uh, So the setup is Colleen and Misty, or Misty and Colleen. Depends which one you prefer. Uh, They are breaking into a vault, stealing a jade tiger for a mysterious person who hired them. So, which is kind of funny because they're they're private investigators, and uh, they they fallen on hard times and stuff, and you know they're they're trying to salvage their business and reestablish their professional reputation. So they they spent weeks trying to track this thing down, and it's like, yeah, they, they found a vault. It's full of the reason I guess they're being thieves is because they're stealing from thieves, so they don't care as much. Otherwise, Misty would be all like, "Oh, we're breaking the law." 
blah blah yeah, blah. I, I I mean I re I read through this super quick just to refresh myself. Yeah. Do they ever mention that it was stolen from the person that they were hired from, or it was no. stolen? I don't think it's mentioned once. It's mentioned that. Uh, it's mentioned that it was like found among all this other stolen stuff and they don't know who the owner is and it's probably stolen. So they say it near the end. Uh, I'll find the exact Uh, thing. Yeah, it's, they talk about it on the last page. Filled with painting statues and other objects of art. And bottles. Yeah. They missed the prime opportunity to slip some stuff in here. Yeah, they did, didn't they? Because this could have been Easter egg galore. Could have had, like, Like the the Spear of Destiny in the background or something. The Infinity Gauntlet. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. The Cosmic Cube. Yeah. I think they're all a bit too uh, (laughs) top, top level for a vault in New York, but... You know, then again, everything's in New York, so... But uh, they're, they're ambushed. Oh, they're, 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 although they are fawning over the statue, like, ooh, it's alive. It's so beautiful. So you know there's something different about the statue, something mystical, possibly. Uh, but yeah, they get ambushed by a bunch of goons. They quickly dispatch them by, like, charging headfirst into them, not giving them a moment to recover. And we're, we're getting, like, real recaps here. It's like, you know, sneak up on an ex-cop with a robot arm, and then they're describing how Colleen was trained in the ways of the samurai... And she's using her sword, but not unsheathed because she's not slicing people up. Uh, all that. Like, we get a lot of recapping this issue. It just tells us who everyone is. I like, can't remember. Does the sword later on become some sort of magical garbage, or am I confusing that with Katana and DC? Uh, Katana's sword is definitely magical. Yeah. It's yeah. like... Or- father's or grandfather's soul, soul in it and it yeah. sucks souls and all does all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So they dispatch the bad guys. They think it's all good and they said they better get out of here before they wake up for round two and all of a sudden dun dun dun. And stricter. Well, if it isn't little Colleen Wing. And of course, just like every episode of season one of Iron Fist, Guy. Everybody has to introduce themselves by their full names. <laughs> hey, come on. That was one of the best parts of Iron Fist. How did people well, not like that? It was like old school kung fu stuff. Right. You and I realize it's a shout out to every kung fu movie ever made in the 70s, which was when Iron Fist came out. Yeah. But other people didn't get it. And they were like, that was the rough description of what they sounded like. Uh, only thing, the only thing missing from every episode of season one of Iron Fist was "Want to fight? Fight me!" <laughs> yeah, they should have. They should have released like a dub um, of season one, like them just dubbing over themselves, but not syncing up properly with their mouths. That would have been great. I think it should have been all all lines taken from classic kung fu movies. <laughs> yeah. Although it would have made the boardroom meetings pretty interesting. <laughs> well, I'm sure they could find some stuff. Yeah. Uh, what, was the, what was the comedy that uh, Oda Kirk put out that was the Kung Fu movie? 
Is oh the or, kung fu comedy? I don't know who that is, but Kung Pao is a pretty famous kung fu comedy. Um, yeah, that's it. Steve yeah. Oakirk. That's the one where he fights the cow. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, almost fell off the couch when the guy inhaled the moth. <laughs> kung Pao is great, guys. Go watch it. It's funny. Go watch it's... more kung fu movies, martial arts movies. You know, we should put together a list. Oh. It's it would be never ending. I'm trying to one of my bucket list things in life is to see every uh, Shaw Brothers Kung Fu movie. And I had no idea because I'm like, oh, I got to be close. I've seen so many. There's like 270. Oh, geez. I'm only in the 90s, which is still if you think about it, it's pretty impressive that you're that far ton of kung fu movies i've watched and what's worse is i've watched so many kung fu movies i thought some of the kung fu movies i had watched were shaw brother films only to find out they weren't yeah but honestly if you are an amazon prime member if you get the amazon television there is like 70 shaw brothers kung fu movies on amazon really Probably oh, yeah. probably not Australian Amazon, because our Australian Amazon Prime video sucks. It's terrible. But uh, What a... sucks is you can't search by, like, just Shaw Brothers. No, you, you can. You really have to know what you're looking for. No, it only pulls up, like, 20. Oh. But there's much more in there, I know, because just on my watch list to be watched, I have, like, 45 on there right now I still need to watch. Oh, Death Jewel's on here. Which is a Carrie Andrews favorite uh, movie. Carrie Andrews, who wrote Iron Fist. Also, a little slice of actual Iron Fist news is the Lethal Protector Ultimate Carnage comic did come out. Uh, Issue one hit, issue one, issue two should be out soon. Oh, yeah. Iron Fist is on the cover and on the variant cover. But he's not not in it. Issue at all. Matter of fact, Morbius is not in the issue. I think Dagger's on the cover. She's not in the issue. Yeah. Also, I just got to correct myself real quick. Uh, death Jewel is not the movie I was thinking about. It's Jewel to the Death. But uh, yeah, don't pick up that because it's false advertising. <laughs> Iron Fist is not in it. Uh, if you are, you might have already picked it up, hoping he was in it. Unfortunately, but yeah, he's not in it at all. And that's why we are not covering it. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely not. Which is which is really annoying. It's just false advertising. I know comic covers always have an aspect of false advertising, but this is pretty bad. So, you know, if he's on the variant too, like, but, uh, anyway, let's, let's get back to Zev Constrictor and Sabretooth making his triumphant return, uh, cause Danny's fight with Sabretooth was one of the best fights that we've covered, uh, which unfortunately Carl was absent for that episode, but, you know. It's all good. Yeah. Them's the breaks, etc. Bigger, bigger, thicker and hairier footed than ever before. Yep. Uh, so. Gary met me, partner. Sabretooth. Now, notice we haven't really talked about the art yet because we're in full on house style mode where it's not really. Nothing's really standing out. Like really? in the. What? Something standing out for you? I, I think this is a step above house mode. Really? Yeah. Mm. Dude, wait till, wait till next issue. Alright. Sure. <laughs> then you can say house mode. 
Plus, it looks like five different people drew it. It's one of those. But I mean, I mean, look at the definition on Sabretooth's torso there. That's tight. Uh, the hair detail on the costume. That's definitely a step above house. Mm, you reckon? Yeah. If anything, I'd say this guy was trying to really do burn. Hmm. Okay. Well, I mean, I guess I guess I'd have to look at uh, the previous issue to because nothing's just stood out to me so far. Like it's been good, you know. I just I haven't seen anything in it that's made me stop and want to talk about it. Uh, <laughs> if anything, what what is horrible <laughs> is the coloring job on these original pages. Hmm. There is bleed everywhere. <laughs> It's just bad. Oh, yeah, before I forget, you can pick this up either as the single issue or you can get it as part of the Power Man and Iron Fist Epic Collection, Volume 1, and the uh, Power Man and Iron Fist Essential Collection, which is black and white and also probably more expensive. Yes, because it is no longer produced. Yeah. So, okay. What I still don't understand is we're getting all these hardcover omnibuses of these comic series I would consider lower in priority than Iron Power Man and Iron Fist, especially with the fact that they had a Netflix freaking show. You'd think that would have brought everything out, but mm. again, marketing makes no sense to me. I swear to God. Are they bringing Dead of Ones out? Like, they're bringing out lots of epic collections. The, uh... Like, Iron Fist has been getting releases. What was the the one that came out in the 90s? Oh, God. One that was awful, I'm sure. Fall from Grace? Late 90s. Maybe even early 2000. It was, what's-his-face, the guy you hate. The writer. The writer I hate who did Daredevil. Um... Jeez, I'm trying to think of a writer I hate that did Daredevil. What, Bendis? Yes. Oh, Bendis' Daredevil's great, though. Uh, oh, well, I'm pretty sure uh, an omnibus is on its way of the first Bendis thing. Oh, really? Which well, I think was put out before. They're just putting it out again. Yeah. I, I Actually, I have all, like, the ultimate collections of that, so I probably won't pick up the omnibus. But, uh, yeah, I guess, well, Iron Fist was getting a lot of releases. I mean, most of his stuff has been released. Like, you can get pretty much all his comics and trade nows. you got Deadly Hands of Kung Fu, a collection by Chris Claremont. You have uh, Fury of Iron Fist, which is all of his first solo stuff. You have these Power Man and Iron Fist epic collections. Volume 3 coming out October, I hope, because that's the... Uh, you have the in-between stuff. You have a collection with, like, his Namor appearances and stuff, and then you have uh, the other collection with his, like, various miniseries, like Return of Kun Lun with Wolverine, stuff like that. And you also have... Ah, uh, what do you call it? The the uh, Iron Fist Heroes for Hire mm-hmm. in the nineties, which should have never got cancelled. Yeah, um, so so you do have like I can't think of stuff of his that hasn't been released. Now is that in that weird graphic novel? I think I own it. I don't think I, it got shipped to me in a plastic bag. I think I don't even think I opened it. Does that have the Marvel Comics Presents stuff? 
in it was like Ghost Rider and whatnot. Yes. Wow. Yeah, there's there's uh, Ghost Rider in that book. I would have to. That stuff is so bad. I, I like the Ghost Rider stuff. Don't <laughs> don't. Oh, it was and, good. And, and how it ended. That Marvel just like magically forgot. <laughs> I can't remember how it ended actually. Dude, Iron Fist has the Cosmic Cube. I don't think I've read that one. I've read another Iron Fist and Ghost Rider one. No, the the actual official like last appearance that he's in Marvel Comics presents back in the day. Iron Fist pretty much has the Cosmic Cube, and it also transforms his outfit into the magic ballerina outfit. Uh, I remember, yeah. yeah. I haven't I, read that, I, but I know what you're talking about. I know about. I've sent you that picture to laugh at. Yeah. He's got, like, ribbons wrapped around his forearms and his, like, calves <laughs> and stuff, and it's just like, oh, Lord. So I do have good news. Uh-oh. Uh, whoa. Uh-oh. What? I said good news, Carl. Do you think I'm like a harbinger of doom or something? Well, you are on the other side of the planet, so it could mean something opposite. Oh, like upside down <laughs> to Americans. Hey, we banned guns. No! Oh, my toilet water spins in the opposite <laughs> direction. Um, Who cares? So, uh, Power Man and Iron Epic Collection Doombringer uh, Volume 3 is out this December. So it will collect issues 90 to 107, which obviously leaves one more collection after that. Gotta milk it. Yeah, but I mean, I didn't know Kurt Busiek wrote Power Man and Iron Fist. Like, I've read all of Power Man and Iron Fist, but I can't remember. Did he write the end of it? Uh, No, that was... um... Oh, what the hell's his name? Because he changed his name. Priest. Wasn't that Priest? Priest. Uh, let's see. Power Man and Iron Fist 125. Because Kurt Busiek is like a fantastic uh, Superman writer. And the end of Power Man and Iron Fist is really terrible. No, Jim Owsley wrote the last well, few, well, I think. Priest wasn't the name he was using. Oh, uh, okay. Iron Fist. But I know, I know. Anyways, Priest wrote towards the end of the stuff because he was all about the uh, the black shaft like cop that showed up. Yeah, I mean, because Priest is usually good, but like the end sucked and it didn't line up with the rest of the run either. Which I believe the whole launch of Quantum and Woody, which is what Priest is now known for. And it is a hysterical comic if you've never read it. Uh, the whole launch of that was using story ideas he had already plotted out for Power Man and Iron Fist. Yeah. So the beginning of Quantum and Woody is pretty much recycled Power Man and Iron Fist's yeah. stories he didn't get to use. And okay. some of the stuff is hysterical, like when they switch bodies. I mean, that would have been awesome to read, but I just remember I hated... His part, because it just didn't line up with the other things. And plus, like, that that's, his run was when Red Iron Fist was introduced, and it makes me happy that John Byrne retconned that into a plant person. So, <laughs> you know, I'm like, yeah, screw you, Priest. is shitty. <laughs> um, should we get back to the issue? 
Oh, I guess so. All right. So uh, Carl's admiring Sabretooth's fur, probably taken from rabbits or something. I don't know. Uh, so uh, they really get the crap beaten out of them in the next, like, oh, this, immediately. This Sabretooth is not, 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 not the Sabretooth that everyone knows and is in love with. I mean, his first five appearances, he's uh, pretty much a disgusting rapist scumbag. But, I mean, well, that being on that tangent, I'm not going to go too far into it, but he's been like that for a long, long time. It's only recently they've tried to make him some stupid anti-hero. Mm-hmm. That's like, because I've, as I said, I've read Deadpool where... I've seen Sabretooth's probably most horrendous things he's done, including the stuff you described. Um, and that was like in what, the 2000s, early, uh, late 90s. So, in, this, obviously, you read this, any. Yeah, yeah. You read Wolverine, you know, Silver Fox and all that stuff. Um, but, like, they're trying to. I don't like how they're trying to make him, like, a good guy now. Because he's not. He's so bad. <laughs> And also in this, in he's not a mutant. He has no superpowers. He's uh, just a mercenary for hire, literally, who apparently has really sharp fingernails, which are more than likely at this point in time part of his gloves. Yeah. I mean, I think in the 90s, in a, a Spider-Man or a Web of Spider-Man issue, Black Cat not only kicks his ass but scratches him up so bad because he didn't even have a healing factor yet. He's literally running around covered in scratches and band-aids for the rest of the issue. And it's yeah. hysterical. <laughs> um, I mean, this Sabretooth is still no one to mess with, though. Like, he's no. a he's a good fighter. He fights like an animal. I mean, you know, his creators ended up making him a mutant, I believe, or mm-hmm. if they didn't make him mutant, they definitely made him Wolverine's adversary because, you know, Chris Claremont, John Byrne did that famous X-Men run. So, uh, I remember so growing up reading these comics, I remember so much the mystery of Sabretooth. Yeah. How he was going to be Wolverine's dad and they were hinting towards that, him and Mystique, and then Mystique turned out to be like, Nightcrawler's mother and all kinds of weird crap. And then he was going to be the brother of Wolverine. Yeah. And then he was like, then it was rumored that he, they were hinting upon like he wasn't the brother or the father, but he was like an uncle or something. And it just never ended. And then finally they just made him also part of like the Weapon X program. And I'm like, finally an origin that they can like set in stone. It's amazing how little Wolverine stories have changed <laughs> since then. Like, it's different characters, same tricks. Ooh, this is Wolverine's long-lost nephew, dad, blah, blah, blah. Wolverine's actually a Wolverine now in human form, um, which oh, I know was horrible. one of the original things they were going to go with, but they did that recently too. So um, I will point out, though, I think uh, Rebecca swears by the new Sabretooth. I think... Well, she likes it, so I'm not sure. Just so we're not bashing it. Um, but uh, yeah, from what from what I've read, I don't I don't really get it. Like I, I think we talked about it a lot in uh, Ed Brisson's Iron Fist run because Sabretooth turned up near the end of that, which uh, I had mixed feelings about, but it was ultimately worth it when I saw him fight the Rat of Twelve Plagues because that was hilarious. Because 
the plagues did nothing to him. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, isn't, well, I think, now, does he have a full adamantium skeleton now, or just his spine? I can't remember. I thought it was full. But I know... Bullseye's... Bullseye is just the spine, but I yeah. just warning, he started with just the spine, too. No, uh, the Deadpool Agent of Weapon X, which is an awesome miniseries, and I recommend reading it, although the ending's really depressing, uh, and, but, uh, like, Sabretooth has full adamantium claws and everything in uh, that story. Well, uh, I, really I'm awesome almost story. positive they've retconned him to the point where his healing factor is, like, twice what Wolverine's is. Probably. They could so, retcon yeah. him to be God, and I just wouldn't be surprised. Like, uh, So the, the the Rat of Twelve Plagues would basically, you know, just be a breeze in his face. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, so, anyway, Sabretooth just viciously claws Misty straight away. Uh, Colleen uh, tries to... I don't know if he actually claws her. Or does he just disarm her? He smacks the gun out of her arm with such force that she falls back and whacks okay. her head, so she's a little woo-hoo, because that claw would have ripped her open, because he's not hitting her armor to arm, and it didn't. And he's ready to finish her off, Yeah. so he can have a little chat with Colleen. I'm not even going to say what he says, because <laughs> it's kind of racist. Oh, right. Colleen, um, Colleen comes from behind and smacks him in the back of the neck with her again, still sheath sword, because this is the one person you you know you want to keep that sheath on. <laughs> I mean, that's that's Sabretooth being racist though, not the rider. Yes. Because yeah. um, <laughs> Sabretooth's uh, bad. That, yes, it was also just the times. Things were different back then. Well, I mean, they said that stuff in the Karate Kid as well. Yes. Um. <laughs> And, uh, you know, you did that today, you'd have people with signs out front. And <laughs> the, uh, being triggered. Oh, dear. And, and then, so she's taken out Sabretooth, believe it or not, with a sheathed sword. And then Constrictor makes his reappearance going, you know, he's got a partner, too. And he'd be advised to stay clear of my coils. Okay, just, just stop with the Australian <laughs> accent. Um... <laughs> Yeah, crikey, you call that a knife? Danger, um, danger, danger. Uh, adamantium, yeah, so his his things are made of adamantium, because he probably couldn't understand Carl with his awful accent. Um, and so Colleen's, yeah, he closes the vault, which has like an electromagnet thing to close the door. So Misty gets dragged inside the vault, which is better than being crushed by the door, which is... Well, probably would have, but anyway, um, so Colleen's trying to fight Constrictor, then Sabretooth comes and, uh, gives her a nasty cut, uh, gash mauling in the side, really, uh, tries to take out her kidney. And Colleen feels like she's about to faint. It looks like a really vicious hit. Yep. Uh, and she just jumps out the window, which is pretty awesome. <laughs> it's like, that's a hell of a exit. I like it. Um, and Sabretooth's like, let's get after it! And Constrictor's like, why bother? We were hired to guard the dingo warehouse, not to go chasing after art thieves, you dingus. Success. 
Um, so Colleen's Not bleeding in the alley. His true colors. Yes, yes, that's what we all sound like. Uh, Colleen's bleeding in the alley. Wow. <laughs> and Misty is stuck to the inside wall of the vault, which is classic. Yeah, and which is bad because at some point she's going to run out of air. You know, but uh, we we cut to much cheerier things. Oh yeah, actually, I'll mention. Um, so Sabretooth wants to go after her, but Constrictor's like, we were just hired to guard guard this warehouse, not go chasing aspiring art thieves. So yeah, they're literally just there to guard the warehouse. They're not there in connection with Colleen or anything. Mm-hmm. It's just coincidence, really. And they also do not even realize that Misty's in the vault. They think she ran off. Yeah, yeah, they don't know she's in there. So uh, we cut to the Gem Theater. The rebuilt gem theater. And this is during the day. So this is the next day, I guess. Uh, yeah, the, the gem theater's been rebuilt after the big fire and stuff. DW's okay. That cameraman, though, is probably blown to pieces still. Uh, and everyone's recounting, ooh, Power Man, bulletproof skin. Ooh, Daniel is living weapon from Kunlun. You know, giving us the, the rundown, which they did last issue as well. <laughs> but, you know, I guess people are jumping in. Um, but uh, in a back alley, we all remember Luke's uh, girlfriend, Harmony, the model and actress, etc. And she's doing a photo shoot, and then she hears that Power Man is back in town from their sojourn to Canada. And Luke's, Luke's reminiscing, like, hey, we finally got a new Coke machine. It only took the place burning down. So he's holding it above his head with one arm because yeah. he's carrying it in the building because that's what they're doing. They're moving in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Luke's moving stuff in and complaining about going up four sets of stairs. Danny's cleaning a table. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so Harmony just runs off and the photographer's like, hey. And she's like, don't bother me now. My man's come home. And... So she runs off and surprises Luke, who drops the e-coke machine. He's like, oops, sorry, DW. And DW's scratching his head like, oh, man. I'd be more upset than that. Like, hey, that's a you goddamn coke machine. I run a business here, Luke. <laughs> so this, this photographer comes up and he's like, hey, if you just walk off, this is coming out of your salary because I hired you to be here on this specific time of the afternoon. Is the lighting and stuff? Which makes sense, you know, if you want to do it in the afternoon, the sun's facing a certain way, and so Luke just wraps uh, his camera around his neck. Well, not the camera, the tripod. Yeah. With the camera attached to it still. And he's like, Erk. And I... We can finish moving in later, DW. Right now, I gotta buy my lady some lunch. I was just like, Luke, you're a dick. Uh, Harmony, you're also a dick because this guy was just doing his job. He was paying you, and you bailed. And what does he get for it? He gets physically assaulted. <laughs> so, whatever. Um, then we cut to Danny, and DW is asking how he's going to spend the rest of his afternoon. Danny's like, I'd like to spend it the same way Luke is, but there's only one woman who really interests me, and right now I don't know where Misty is or what she's doing because I haven't really been talking to them. Um, which we were talking about last episode, like, they haven't really talked to them about the fact that Hogarth fired them and stuff. So, but, 
I don't know, these guys just haven't been communicating with each other a lot because of various convenient circumstances like being unavailable, stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, we no, cut you're, to... You're missing something that's disappointing. What am I missing? All right, in the... Well, that panel where she... The second panel after she jumps them and the machine is smashed on the ground. Yeah. And then you have to look back another page to get the last name where Luke is carrying the desk out of the truck. Okay, let me just go up here. The marquee. All right, all right, I'm getting there, I'm getting there. I just accidentally closed my book. Uh, okay, let's see. There always seems to be a theme. I can't, yeah. So I see, I can't see the, you have to tell me because mine's not showing it. The marquee, it, it doesn't give the full name of the film, but with what we see, I'm going to take a guess. That is the 1951 classic Western Fort Worth. Oh, okay. Starring, starring Randolph Scott, who's a very famous that's a Western uh, I haven't actually seen. I haven't either, actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> but just to say they're sticking with, I don't know if it's if it's Duffy or if it's just the artists or it's the inkers, but they're definitely sticking with Western themes for what they are showing at the theater. I'd say it wouldn't just be Duffy because there has been dialogue about it before. Like they've specifically talked about the Westerns showing and stuff. Now, I just, I guess... It's hard to remember because we do this, what, every two weeks or sometimes it's some hiatus. I just can't remember if before Duffy took over, it was a Western theater or if it was just like a normal theater. I don't even remember. Yeah. I'm not even sure if it, if it was because Duffy's got a long run. Yeah. She did like, what, 20 something issues? Yeah, something like that. Um, maybe Rebecca knows, or someone. And also, the theater was in Power Man, wasn't it, before it was in Power Man and Iron Fist, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, you're the one that's read Hero for Hire, so... We're uh, going back 20, 20 plus <laughs> years. Alright, so we cut to Misty Traps in the Vault, who's either... Who's pretty much just saying, I'm running out of air. Uh, she still has the Jade Tiger with her. Kylie didn't have it on her. Yes. So uh, Luke has walked into uh, Alexandra's Top Cap Eastern Restaurant, Carabay. Uh, yeah, so this is one of Luke's regular haunts. Uh, the food's a little weird, but you can't beat the atmosphere. Which is like <laughs> a strange sentence about this place, but whatever. Um, uh, so we have this, uh, foreshadowing golem looking guy. He's like, bam, and here this could upset the master's plan. I must tell him at once. So he goes to warn this master in this like little booth. And all we can see of the master is a black hand. So like his skin color. Um, so we don't know who he is yet. But he's come to warn said master, but the master just says, like, this is a, 
it's probably just uh, he's a friend of the two detectives that he hired, but it's probably just a coincidence because Luke comes here often, and Colleen and Misty Knight will be here with the Jade Tiger tonight. Uh, they've never failed a client, which is funny because like they have a pretty good record. Why did Jan fire them? Why doesn't he have? As we said last issue, why doesn't he have these guys for like the detective jobs? A power man and iron fist are like the muscle jobs. Mm-hmm. But, uh, especially, especially with his love for hiring women, this makes zero sense. Yeah. Uh, so Colleen has either been passed out in the alley the whole night, the whole day, or she's just been making her way very slowly to. Oh, I think she has been passed out actually because she did jump through a window. So. Um, yeah. So she gets yeah. up and she's like. Yeah. And it looks like there's like a puddle of blood next to her or something when they show her in the alley, even though it's technically on the wrong side of her body, but hey. <laughs> <laughs> um, so she's like, uh, you know, Danny Ironfist, he'll not, he'll know what to do. He'll help us. He's our only hope. Ironfist Kenobi. So she's off to find Danny. And meanwhile, in the private gym, Danny is sparring with Bob Diamond. Uh, you know, they're, they're throwing shurikens at each other, doing some crazy kung fu style leg checks, uh, fighting with starves. You know, just doing basic punching drills. Nothing, you know, just just it's okay. Little sequence. Uh, but uh, Bob wins this session because they've been sparring with each other for the past few months, and they're both knowing each other's tricks and stuff now. So. Uh, but we get the impression that it's not a regular occurrence that uh, Bob wins a sparring session. So, but just because they win a sparring session doesn't really mean anything. I'm just saying, this is not an indication of power levels or any other stupid Dragon Ball crap. Uh, so, yeah. And they give a special little highlight to the tiger paw emblem he wears. Yes, the jade or, tiger paw emblem. Or foreshadowing. Yes. Well, I mean, Deadly Hands of Kung Fu readers would already know that. Shh. Okay. Right. <laughs> so, uh, there's a knock on the... Well, no. Bob's opening the door and Colleen uh, collapses uh, through the door into Bob and she sort of... She fills them in what's been happening. They were hired to take back the Jade Tiger from Ring of Art Thieves. And she got, they got jumped by some guy called the Constrictor and Sabretooth. So. Now, again, if I remember correctly, her and Dragon dated for a while, right? Her and Bob. Her and Bob, yeah. Yeah, not yet, but soon. And, again, why the hell does Danny not know? I can't, I've read so many issues, it's starting to blur. Yeah, I get I that. Dan- <laughs> Does Danny still not know how to heal yet? No, he doesn't know how to heal yet. Okay. So I, I think, think this would be like a prime opportunity. <laughs> I think he's used it to like, uh, yeah, because as, as we said, so. Like reject poison out of his body so far, but he hasn't done a full on heal yet. This podcast been going for four years. So we were covering the original run like four years ago. So, uh, but he's, he's used his chi to like purge himself of radiation and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he's used it to heal anyone else yet. Which he will use again. I really wish, because there's like the Superman encyclopedia, and it gives you like history of his powers. 
mm-hmm. and when he got them and stuff. And I really wish there was like an Iron Fist encyclopedia. Not that it would be very big, but, uh, you know, just so I could get a page where it's like when the first appearance of certain things Danny did, like when was the first time he chi healed someone, which I'm pretty sure is in this run. Uh, mm-hmm. or when's the first time, you know? Well, it's definitely at the end of the run, because remember, he's trying to heal the little boy in the hospital. Yeah, but he might do it before that, though. We don't know. Well, we don't remember. <laughs> but we do remember that particular issue, because it's quite memorable, because, you know, Captain Marvel... Anyway. Uh, Captain America and Falcon holding hands. What? <laughs> you don't remember that? No, I don't remember that at all. Oh. Oh, we're in for wild times, I guess. But, uh, yeah, so she fills him in, and Bob's like, uh, Danny, there's probably still time for the understudy to go in my place if I call the theater. And Danny's like, no, Bob, thanks for offering, but the play is your responsibility, and Misty and Colleen are mine. With Luke's help, I should be able to handle it. And I'm just like, man, this kind of feels like an all-hands-on-deck situation. Yeah. Uh, no, man, go do your Broadway theater thing. It'll be right. Uh, but, you know... I guess uh, Danny's pretty confident in himself and Luke. With good reason, I guess. They have a pretty good record at this point of not being defeated, unless it's by, like, giant robots. Uh, so we have a brief panel of Misty just slumped on the ground, uh, not looking too healthy. And we cut back to the office of the heroes for hire, where Luke is... Uh, talking to not-yet-convict Jenny Royce, their secretary, and they have a job tonight. Sounds pretty straightforward, and it's like the bank's board of directors like are hiring them to guard against robberies or something. But Danny's called up saying that Misty is trapped in a vault and running out of air, so Luke bails, and Jenny's like, you're under contract, as they're walking out. And Luke's like, it's after five o'clock. They can stick their contract. If I spend my time helping my friends, it's my business. Uh, so we cut to they're all waiting outside this shady warehouse thing. And uh, there's people. The real, the real question is, what the hell does Danny do here? Does he pull some ninja crap? Because look what he's doing. I don't know, but it's so cool. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, like, D- D- Colleen and Luke are talking, and, like, kind of bickering, is, uh, Luke doesn't want Colleen to come, because she's really wounded, and Danny's in, like, this meditation pose in the back, and then all of a sudden, he's gone. Yeah, they turn around to talk to him, and he's just gone. And it, and it's, and it's really awesome, at this point, it's really awesome, because it's, like, some ninja Batman stuff, and then you go to the next panel, it kind of becomes really funny, because... <laughs> He's, like, hiding behind this really thin pole, but he's, like, extremely visible. Yes, you can see the collar and his butt and his pecs and his elbow. Yeah. Um, And then he, like, sneaks behind a mailbox and then sneaks behind a truck. Now, the mailbox and truck aren't too bad, but, like, the the pole, really? Man, that's pretty funny. Uh, And then he's walking behind their painting as they... And it's like, look... I like the idea of it. It's a cool idea, but it looks pretty goofy. Yeah, but then he just starts taking out people inside, so it's pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah, well, he takes out one guy, like one of the guards in the vault that he couldn't avoid otherwise. He avoided everyone else. And uh, so Luke, um, they comment that it's ninjutsu that Danny is 
mm-hmm. using. And uh, Luke and Colleen are like, what's our plan? And Luke goes, ah. <laughs> and he, Luke just charges out the front. Luke pulls a Leroy Johnson. <laughs> yeah, Leroy Jenkins. I'm Leroy sorry. Jenkins, that's yeah. it. I had to correct you. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, so that Luke just... This is a good diversion, I guess, even though Danny's already passed all the guards. Um, it'll make sense, actually, later. But, yeah, so Luke's taking out all the guys. Uh, he's taking them out, throwing around, like, uh, rag dolls, you know, classic heroic poses as he's doing getting, it. Getting shot multiple times. Uh, bullets bouncing off him. Uh... And then Colleen comes up and she takes out the stragglers and she's like, don't shoot at me. He's the one that's bulletproof. And, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, she's taking out the stragglers with her sword sheathed, though. Mm-hmm. Her loaf of French bread. <laughs> um, her with her deadly baguette. <laughs> so upstairs, Danny arrives at the safe and he's like, all I have to do is figure out how to pick the lock or force it. And he's like, well, there's no lock and there's no time to spare. So we finally get it after I don't know how many issues. He calls upon an ability that he alone possesses, summoning his chi, the essence of his spirit, channeling down, channeling it down his arm into his hand until that hand becomes scrack out un- like unto a thing of iron. And he breaks the door down. Uh, it's usually shakao. Yep. But, you know, I'll take it because we got like unto a thing of iron, which feels like it's been ages since we got that. Unless we got that last issue and I just forgot, but I'm pretty sure we didn't. So he comes now, in. Where the, where the hell did the door go? Uh, vaporized, I guess. <laughs> I uh, that's the other thing. It's like, this seems pretty dangerous because Misty's hand was like attached to that door. Mm-hmm. So. But he didn't know that. No, but Misty seems to be fine. Even though she's face planted on the ground, she wakes up and she's like, oh, hey. Good to see you here, and that's oh, all nice, blah, blah, blah. Um, all right. Now we get some fighting. Mean, meanwhile, downstairs. Yes. Uh, so, Colleen's commenting along the lines of, this is too easy, and then we have Constrictor coming behind them. And uh, so Colleen actually draws her blade, because she's really angry at him, and Constrictor was like, I hope you unleash your blade when I taunted you. Remember my warning about the extra features my coils have? I wasn't bluffing. They're charged with high-voltage electricity. So he electrocutes her through her sword and knocks her she, out cold. Luke is like, Colleen, you're a lucky man, Constrictor. She's still breathing. Yeah, she doesn't look too healthy, though. Um, so uh, they, yeah, they engage each other. Who do you think you're talking to, buffoon? Oh, my God. Okay, so... He's, like, whipping him with his coils instead of, like, trying to constrict him. He's using them like a bullwhip for some unknown reason. Well, he doesn't doesn't know that Luke is bulletproof. Well, he doesn't know that Luke has steel-hard skin or whatever. So he starts electrocuting him, though. It jolts electricity so powerful that it nearly defeated the Incredible Hulk, which I'm... Which we don't get a issue reference for that. No, we don't. We usually do. Yeah. And uh, we did get one for 
Sabretooth when he came in and did say Iron Fist 14. Yeah. I guess there's, that's like one of the title characters previously meeting, though, I guess. But uh, yeah, Luke says holy sheep here. Yes, he does. Yeah. Because he's getting fried by electric. He's a holy sheep. Yeah, so this is something that can actually hurt Luke. And Danny's uh, carrying uh, Misty out of the vault. And then Sabretooth ambushes him. And actually a pretty cool panel where he does look very animalistic. Very freaky deaky. Yeah, he's like hiding on top of the statue. Sabretooth. Get clear, Misty. I'll handle him better alone. You won't handle me at all. And then Daddy proceeds to handle him. <laughs> Across the room with a double leg throw. Yeah. Um, commenting that somehow he's even faster. And so, uh, yeah, he's even faster than before somehow. So, uh, Sabretooth goes to like lunge at him, but Danny holds his hands and then Sabretooth bites him. And Danny's like, he's more animal than man. You know, he's fighting savagely, blah, blah, blah. And we cut back to, uh, Luke and Constrictor. And Luke's he's essentially hiding. Yeah, he's he's trying to do that nin that nin whatchamacallit uh, worked for fist. Ain't no reason I can use it too. And it's like, <laughs> well, you probably weigh like a hundred pounds more at least, and uh, you haven't had any training, so he's trying to sneak around, which you never see him do. Uh, <laughs> and it's not working. He's like he's making all this artwork in the process because he can plainly see him hiding behind this stuff and he's destroying what he's hiding behind. Yeah, and like Luke's using them as paintings, vases. They should have just had like the Mona Lisa, what he was holding or something. Um, but anyway. again, so many things. Yeah, that's, Frank, that's actually a Frank Frazetta painting. Oh, really? That's getting destroyed. Yes. Wow. <laughs> At least it's an actual painting that they used. Yes. Uh, or like, you know, they could have had, uh, Leonardo, um, but anyway. DiCaprio? No. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's insulting to the man I was talking about, but anyway. So, <laughs> yeah. So Luke got smashed into the wall, and there's a bunch of water pouring on him. Maybe that'll come into play later. Uh... And we go back to, in my opinion, the better fight. Because it's an actual fight. It's not Luke running around. <laughs> so uh, Danny's essentially just like using a bunch of throws, using Sabretooth's momentum against him. Judo. And then, yeah. Use your opponent's momentum against him. And Judo is legit. Judo is awesome. If you go to the right school anyway. But uh, yes, so Sabretooth turns the lights off. So Danny can't see. It's like Sabretooth in his element. So, you know, we have some cool panels here, pitting the animal instincts and natural ferocity of one against the skill and discipline of the other. And in the end, it is really no contest at all. And Sabretooth slashes Danny in the back, and Danny appears to be down for the count. But then Danny leaps up and double kicks him to the face, and then gives him a right hook and knocks out Sabretooth. Because... No, no iron fist needed. Yep, which is the same as the previous fight where Danny was blinded in the snow, he was weakened, he had no chi, and he still took out Sabretooth. So, of course, he's going to take him out here. Um, he doesn't need to see. Uh, really cool sequence, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like this fight with Danny and Sabretooth, you know, having 
some you know decent martial arts in a comic book. Uh, I liked all the throws and stuff, you know, the judo style. I like the fact they once again took him out without having to use his special ability. Yeah. Yeah, and, and took him out with like an impairment as well, like he couldn't see again. So Sabretooth should probably use a different trick next time. But you know, if you catch in the, the the panel above where he turns the light off, he does mention that he can track yeah. Iron Fist by his scent. Yeah. So there is something going on there. Yeah. But it's still not highlighted upon. Yeah, but it he's is commented a few times that he's like he's borderline half animal because um, of the way he fights and you know being able to track his scent and stuff. Uh, which I'm pretty sure was present in his first appearance as well. He was supposed to be very animalistic. Yes. So while there's no, like, healing factor yet or anything. Uh... So back to downstairs. Yeah. Luke and Constrictor are still going at it. Mm-hmm. Luke, Constrictor decides to now fully engulf uh, Luke Cage in his coil, so he's around his neck, around his torso, around his waist, and he's electrocuting the crap out of him. And Luke's like, not much I can do. And Constrictor's like, what do you think you're doing? No way to stop it. So he's now basically got him by the coils, and he's whipping him around in circles. So Constrictor is no longer on the ground. This is causing Constrictors to release his coils, which then makes Luke hurl him towards the broken water pipe. Yeah. And this or says, yeah. hey, Constrictor, don't forget to turn off your power before you hit the water. Oh, again, and again, yeah. Zasp. Not a zap. Zap. A zap. Yeah, a zasp. Uh, so Constrictor is not dead, but he could be dead considering. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, pretty, pretty cool feat of strength by Luke, just uh, powering through the electric coils and stuff and tossing into the thing. It reminds me very much, um, as Luke usually does, of like very early. Superman when he had like electric cables wrapped around him and he does similar stuff here and I think you know Luke has pretty similar power capabilities so it's cool to see Luke uh, getting his shirt torn again actually uh, every issue every damn issue <laughs> okay. stop. Um, so all's well the bad guy's been defeated uh, they're walking out and uh, the, all the stuff, except for the tigers, being returned to the museum. Um, and this is this is where they talk about it. So Colin goes, except for this, we're giving the jade tiger to our client just like we planned. No one knows where it came from or who it really belongs to anyway. Any objections? And Danny's like, but it might really belong to the owner of the warehouse. I, what do you say, Luke? Let's let him have it. I don't see no harm in stealing from a thief. And so they're like, well, the night is still young. Why don't Misty says they should go somewhere for pizza. And Danny's like, not until you girls see a doctor and an electrician. Luke says, and Cage, if we can survive your jokes, a few scratchings and loose wires aren't going to kill us. I still think they should go to the hospital. Any comments on electrician because Misty's arms messed up. Yeah. I mean, I guess maybe Misty doesn't, but Colleen got like, Knocked out by electrocution. I feel like that's hospital worthy, but and she still has her guts ripped open. Iron Fish just taped her up. Yeah, good point. That too could be infected. Who knows what he has on his claws? So, 
Uh, yeah, next. Luke Cage falls into the hands of his most ruthless enemy. You dare not miss Power Men. Dun, dun, dun. Now, I know it's just me, but I prefer stories with Iron Fist ties, because we are the Iron Fist podcast, so I was a bit... Oh, shush. He's still in the book. Ah. Uh, uh, it's, it's a lot of the, like, Bushmaster and stuff. It was just like... See, now you've ruined it for next time. Now they know it's Bushmaster. Is it? Yes. Oh, it is too. Yeah. No, I didn't... I, I I was talking about the previous Bushmaster arc. But, uh, yes, it is Bushmaster next time. But, you know. Um, yeah, so, that was issue. It was a good issue. This art. <laughs> the highlight. You'll eat your words on what you said about this issue's art. Artwork when you see next issues. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I really liked the fights between Luke and the Constrictor and Danny and Sabretooth. They were the highlights for me. Yes, good uh, stuff. It was a good issue all around. Yeah, it was. Uh, one of the better issues. And unfortunately, because it's Sabretooth's second appearance, it usually goes for ridiculous money on eBay and other places. Ah, uh, really? Yep. Well, I'm not, we're not talking in the hundreds or yeah. I mean, these issues don't go for ridiculous money. In great shape, the issues of this time frame, 8 to $12. This one, because who's in it, is going to cost you more than 30 Uh Looking up... Uh, no, I mean, I'm looking up here. Uh, so, 13 Australian dollars plus 440 postage, 5 Australian dollars plus $3 postage... Uh, I'm talking like minty, minty, like send to CGC. It's so good. Oh, good condition. But like, I mean, who wants to CGC this issue? <laughs> I don't know. Um, oh, CGC 9.2, 151 Australian bucks. So that would be what, like 70 US dollars, 80? Something like that. not that bad, is it? Uh, it's pretty bad. Oh, wait, no, 100 US dollars. Still, like, that's $50 more for Australian currency. Um Carl's just sitting by a fire outside of a cave right now, so that's why you... mm, harsh winter. Uh, but we have feedback. Can you believe it? What? I know. I, uh, that I know. Uh, our good friend of the podcast, Ray, just decided to send in feedback. So uh, as you guys, uh, we've gotten feedback from Ray before. He hosts the Into the Night and Moon Knight podcast. Go check that out. And he's also my co-host on Last Sons of Krypton, a Superman podcast. Also, go check that out. Oh, and speaking of Moon Knight, the annual that came out this week is utterly fantastic. Yeah? Oh, it's... The, uh... If you even have a slight inkling of liking Moon Knight, you need to grab this issue with what goes down. Cause is this awesome. the villain one, where they fight villains that they aren't usually... It's... What is it? It's... Like that event? It's uh, like act. Act of Vengeance or some crap? Axis of Evil Kang. or something? It's got Kang in it. Yes, yeah, because actually Ray and I were talking about that the other day. Apparently the Deadpool annual is like the best one because he fights Nightmare. Um, oh. It's oh, supposed to be oh. really, really good, yeah. And apparently you can read it without being up to date with Deadpool, so I'm going to check that out. Yeah, that's the exact same thing with Moon Knight. You don't have to have read like the last five plus years. Yeah. You can just pick this issue up and read it. And I love, I like, in terms of events, that is such an awesome idea. Having 
heroes go up against villains they don't usually go up against. Mm-hmm. Uh, we briefly talked about like who Iron Fist would go up against, and he said like an ex-Herald of Galactus or something would be cool. Uh, mm-hmm. Or because it's not somebody usually go up against, you know, something cosmic as opposed to magic or street level. Iron um, Fist versus Mole Man. <laughs> maybe not. No, he's got up against him before, so. And I'd love if they did that for, like, DC as well. Um, and I'm, it's a real shame there's only, like, a few annuals. There's not that many. There's, like, She-Hulk, Deadpool, Moon Knight, uh, Miss Marvel, and a couple of others. I wish they did it for, like, heaps of heroes, but, you know, because this is the stuff I really love. Like, I, I'm a huge sucker for pitting heroes against villains they don't, you know, threats they're not used to. I love mm-hmm. Superman against magic. I love, um, you know, Daredevil... And when that, that whole Daredevil run by Endocenti where he was, like, stuck in hell in Mephisto, that was awesome. Uh, when it's done well, it's good anyway. Sometimes it's done really horribly, but, you know. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, go check out uh, that event, guys, uh, the, especially the Moon Knight issues and the Deadpool issues. But uh, on to this feedback, though. Uh, hi, Connor, Carl, and Rebecca. Slant-eyed friend. Thought I'd open with that little doozy and get it out of the way. Couldn't help but smirk how things have changed nowadays. It's always interesting to read older comics. Anyway, I thought I'd write a few lines down about my thoughts on issue 66. I really enjoyed this one, and apart from the fun, action-packed finale, I thought the humour in this issue was used really well. The opening sequence with Colleen and Misty breaking in to steal the Jade Tiger was a great way to start. Then the introduction of two notable Marvel villains, Constrictor and Sabretooth, made this quite satisfying. I never knew Constrictor's cables were adamantium. Very cool. Sabretooth seems to have a history with Iron Fist and proves himself ever the deadly opponent for Colleen. I'm not sure who the client is that they are working for, and it's keeping me guessing and wondering, so I'll be reading to head to find out. As mentioned, I do like the humor used, in particular the gag about the vending machine with Luke at the beginning. Then Luke's sorry attempts at being a ninja towards the end. (laughs) (laughs) It was pretty good. The fights were, as mentioned, fun, and I do love the classic one-on-one extended fight scenes, which are more prominent during this era. Completely agree. Uh, Writing was solid, and things rolled along well enough. I really do like the art and colours here. Even Sabretooth is given a more animalistic rendition, and I especially like the panels of Victor Creed on top of the statue, and then him biting into Iron Fist's costume. Really enjoyed this. I'd give this a solid 7.5 out of 10. Keep up the great work. Cheers, Ray. Uh, thank you very much for the feedback, Ray. Uh, we love getting feedback. It's like... Um, Look, the line I skipped because it was racist. He starts off with... Yeah, I, I did. <laughs> I liked that detail. Uh, um, also, Ray, you spelt my name wrong, despite the fact that we're co-hosts. Uh, but, you know, I'll let it slide, I guess. It's uh, two O's. Uh, yes, two O's, one N. Um, <laughs> Connor... Uh, no, thanks very much for the feedback. Uh, we love getting feedback, guys. It's like, it's like catnip to us. Name. Uh, my Kryptonian name is Connor L, actually, Carl. But you know, I'll forgive your transgression this time. Uh, but uh, yeah, feedback's great. Send us more. Uh, so we have episode one hundred coming up. Dun dun dun. Uh, I am trying to get stuff for yeah. it, but. Uh-oh. Don't R me. Yeah, I'm getting, I'm putting Carl on trial for being a jerk and Guilty. sarcastic. You know, loving his cups of coffee. Extra guilty. Yeah, and dealing with his kids. 
Gotta go deal with the kids. Put the kids to bed. (laughs) Um, But no, uh, I do have something I'm trying to organize for it. Not sure if it'll work out or not. In 10 more years when they're all out of the house and we're finally doing issue 125. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah. It's it's probably not going to be quite the spectacle that the uh, Into the Nights episode 100 was the four hour <laughs> episode full of interviews and stuff, but you know we'll we'll do something, and I really hope what I'm going for works out because I'd love to do it. Uh, no, it won't be another radio play like Carl and I did all the way back to episode three. Damn it! Because as we said, it's the only time we'll ever be able to pull that off, and that still stands. Because <laughs> um, there hasn't been another issue like that, so. Yeah, I, I still want to do that full out with sound effects, everything. I put sound effects in there. Do you know how much work that took? <laughs> I know, I know, I know. But I mean, like, full on multiple yeah. people. I know what you mean. Like yeah. gunshots, car crashes, like the wind blowing if they're outside. Like yeah. something from, like, the Judge Dredd, because um, that's really the only ones I've ever listened to, unfortunately, is the, the Judge Dredd's uh, Stronium Dog. Um audio books where they do all that crazy stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, I just want to do it once. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it won't be that unfortunately, but, uh, yeah, be, have, be excited. But, uh, six to 10 weeks, whatever episode 100 will probably hit. So yay. yeah, maybe we can have some guests. Maybe get some guests. Get some guests. Send in your mail. Tell you. Tell us how you think we're doing. Yeah. It's only been a hundred. So years. Net next week. Hey, you know, we age like wine, Carl. We're like wine. I'm I'm proud that we're four years. Yeah, we have hiatuses and stuff, but we haven't stopped. You know. So. Well, I think I, I got a couple bites out of that apple from Cutting Lung because people still can't believe I'm as old as I am. <laughs> Um, like you're how you're how old? I thought you were in your thirties. Yeah, Carl, Carl is quite the ancient denizen uh, over here at the Immortal Iron podcast. He's easily the oldest out of all three of us by like at actually, least eighty years. I, actually, I don't think I am. I think Rebecca might have me by a couple months. Yeah, but that's really rude. So, <laughs> all right, sorry, Rebecca. You can't say that when she's not here. <laughs> Um, anyway, until next time, may your fist become unto like a thing of iron and don't accept jobs from shady people to steal statues. Yes. Yeah. Peace. Adios. Iron Fist and all other characters in these comics are properties of Marvel and Disney. Any musical images we use belong to their respective copyright holders. We do this for fun. So please don't sue us. You can contact us at sons of the dragon podcast at gmail.com. Just send us mail, comments, thoughts, anything you want, really. It doesn't even have to be related to Iron Fist. If you don't want it read on the air though, make sure you mention that. You can also find us on Facebook, the Immortal Iron Fist Podcast, Sons of the Dragon. Our Twitter, at Iron Fist Podcast. Our SoundCloud, soundcloud.com forward slash sons of the dragon, uh, hyphens where the spaces are. Our YouTube, Connor Carl. Just search Iron Fist Podcast and you'll find us real quick. We are also on iTunes. If you find us there, give us a review and rate us. If it's less than 5 stars, please say why so we can improve the show. 
and we're on Podcast Garden in the literature section, and last but not least, head over to our WordPress, Sons of the Dragon, the Immortal Artist Podcast.wordpress.com. That's where I put all the show notes. I'd like to thank Thomas Tissot for composing the Iron Fist theme song we use at the start of our Iron Fist episodes on the podcast. I'd also like to thank Peter John Sikorsky for composing the Power Man and Iron Fist theme we use at the start of our Power Man and Iron Fist episodes. And finally, thanks to you guys for listening. <laughs>